Think again with Borderlands Cooperative. Join us for critical conversations about things that matter. <laughs> Every Friday at 10am on 3CR Community Radio, 855am on your dial. And on 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. So together, let's think again about important matters affecting us, like economics, politics, education, health, climate, and what we can do about it all. Welcome to our 219th program of Think Again, broadcasting live from 3CR Studio on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Think Again is a program of Borderlands Cooperative, an organisation that's been working for social change for uh, since the late 90s. I'm Jennifer Burrell, your host today. I'm fortunate to be joined by Mari Brennan and Lou Zippen for this program. And they're going to share some of their ideas of how schools and universities can play a much more relevant role in society in collaboration with their communities. Mari has been on the program before, uh, talking about what is happening with universities in mid-September. And listeners might remember that she has professorial roles at several universities, universities of Canberra, Victoria University and University of South Australia. Lou Zippen has worked in the same three universities in Canberra, uh, Univ Victoria University and in South Australia. Mari and Lou have both been involved in action research projects with schools and universities. So welcome to the program, Lou and Mari. Thank you. Proud to be here. <laughs> So, starting with you, Mari, how would you describe the current role that universities play and what roles do you think universities ought to play? Well, that's highly contested. That's very much a contested issue. You had to pause and think about that. There's so much to think about. <coughs> and have a cough. <laughs> um, the issues of... Um, what a university is supposed to be for is highly contentious and always has been. And the issue from my perspective is we're supposed to, in universities, be about knowledge building, about building a knowledge archive, about sharing, sharing, res sharing research and, and past knowledge with, through teaching and through being a participant in... Uh, in uh, public contributions and things like that. But at the moment, universities seem to be captured in some narrow ideology about um, everything's about economics and skills for jobs and things like that. And while universities have been very strong in educating for the professions, whether that's engineering or social work or um, medicine um, or teaching, they're all, um, they're all still there, but they're not... I mean, I, I see them as severely curtailed. Yeah, I think you spoke a lot about that in our last program, Murray. Yeah. So maybe we can talk today more about what role they ought to play and how they can yeah. do this. Yeah, well, I think one of the issues for me is that the universities are not enough of the universities are not dealing with the current issues of our time 
And one of the things they're not doing very well at all, as we saw um, in the discussions around the referendum, mm, the is voice. that the, the mm. voice, yes, um, they're not really thinking through and trying to build up the range of knowledges in the you know in the previous 500 years or so the colonialism mm. around mm. the world mm. has actually what um, a researcher from Portugal called Boaventura de Sousa Santos has talked about as epistemicide killing off the knowledges mm. of other peoples oh, yes. and we're not we're still very eurocentric yes. our versions of science are very much a particular t style of science mm. and we and and we also installed a racial hierarchy from mm. that colonial era mm. and that that has that that could be de dealt with really differently we need to work with different groups mm. to build their knowledges back in and so they become staff members they mm. become students mm. they become authors etc of the textbooks that people read yeah and i suppose then they're also people are able to be more critical when they're being fed lies for example through social media that's right and and so that kind of public um, espousal of different approaches to thinking about knowledge is is necessary because a lot of the curriculum at the moment has become very narrow mm. and we've got to think through what does that mean for um, for everybody in the society and how are we dealing with the mm. urgent issues of our time. Yeah. Some people will be doing short-term things about that or ought to be and others will be doing long-term long like blue skies research which we won't know if it's going to actually have, a, have an idea. But yeah. at the moment what's really valued is what they call STEMs, you know, science, technology, engineering and maths mm. and um, and even that is not really only value. It's only valued if it's um, it's only valued if it can be commercialised. Yeah, and, and I think you've both done a lot of work around alliances and collaborations uh, regarding things that matter um, in educational institutions. So perhaps Lou, you could talk a bit about that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. While I have no objection to the standard, you know, the classical you know, disciplinary knowledge work that people do in universities. I think increasingly the teaching and research together need to combine and they need to combine both in the classroom and outside in the communities mm -hmm. around the problems that people in the communities identify as um, crucial issues for their emergent futures. And, you know, I think what you've been getting at is that People need knowledge abilities. You know, the people who are being educated and passing through universities need to need more than just to be there to get diplomas and passports to you know their life chances. They need to be there for the ability to work collaboratively and collectively with other people to deal with the problems that are both in their lives and to understand how those problems connect. You know, that are lived locally connect to global structural issues that are emergent emergencies. You know, they they like have an climate climate change climate climate change increasing aggravated racism and patriarchy. You know, there there are so many things that intersect, you know, right now, mm. and um, and that are getting worse. And and they're emergent; they're not static, which means that knowledge has to not be static. And not and you know, as Isabel Stenger says, we all have to become apprentices to those problems, mm. 
teaching and learning together. So academics produce um, disciplinary knowledge that has worth, but so do people in communities. You know, what's, what's called the offensive knowledge approach talks about how people build knowledge around those problems as they live them. They're not just you know, fragmented, you know, strands of knowledge, they actually form knowledge bodies that that have an equivalence to university disciplines. And the two can get brought together to, to produce what Karl Marx would call the use value mm. of both, you know, yeah. rather than the exchange value that it's there to commodify. It's, it should be there to, to produce usefulness for the futures. Yeah, so usefulness rather than uh, exchange value being uh, ba- um, part of the profit motive Yes. Yeah. How you can exchange it with money, I guess. Yeah, and in universities, it's more prestige. You know, you know, like it's what Pierre Bourdieu would call symbolic capital that mm. they try to accumulate. Mm. And what this really needs, importantly, is a change in the governance of universities. You know, right now, governance is so imposed upon from from governance outside, and channels down a kind of increasingly verticalized distance from the people who do the supposed core work of the universities. They don't really listen to people on the ground who do the work telling them, you know, what are the effects of the decisions they're making. Mm -hmm. There needs to be more, instead of that top-down kind of council management governance, there needs to be more of a ground-up participatory democratic, especially when you're dealing with a university where people are knowledgeable. You know, they... Mm -hmm. Thank you for that, Lou. And... I guess uh, these sorts of collaboration, they involve some sort of collective analysis and then action and then further reflection by the group, which I think a lot of us learned years ago was that's the action learning cycle of let's uh, take an information together, let's plan, let's put it into some sort of action, but then after it, let's reflect. Was that the right way to go? Do we have to adjust it? Do we need to do things differently? So is that the sort of... Yeah, that I think that's really important to emphasise because none of the big problems that we're facing are actually solvable in that sort of short-term sense. All we can do is to take bites of them and see what happens because when you intervene in something the power relations become really clear mm. and so um, that enables you to both understand the power relations in which you're an active person um, and how how the group can work together but also it helps you to understand what kind of action might be more effective or less effective yeah. and so um, as Paolo Freire talks about, we learn to read the world differently, not just read the words, but read the world differently. And that requires group activity and it requires, um, it requires us to, to stay together to work on something. So it's got to be collaborative. Mm. And I guess uh, in those sorts of managerial models and those management plans, you always have this idea that you can predict, you can do, do a management plan and know if I do A, B and C, in 10 years it will be like this. And we know nature doesn't work like that and life's not like that. No. Yeah, we adjust as new information comes in. And the approach I think you're talking about is... Um, it's really key to that is that those collaborations and alliances with... Mm educational institutions enmeshed with their communities. Yeah, and everyone learning and teaching from each other as knowledge makers, not just, you know, curriculum in, in schools and universities has to be understood as knowledge in action, not just knowledge content. Mm. 
Thank you for that. Well, we might go to a break on that note. Um, because, Mari, you liked this song so much last time, Educate the Masses by Blue King Brown. Here's a chance for you to have another dance around the studio. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, oh. a conscience you should know just how to use it don't be like them fools they go around and just abuse it all your thoughts be locked up in them stories that they tell you now you surely understand that's how this system molds you educate the masses and now stand for what is right soon they're creeping up on you in the middle of the night gather up their hopes and dreams they throw them Light it up tonight Cause they know the reasons why Oh, oh, yeah These generations Come marching upon your door Oh, oh, yeah These generations Come marching upon your door Yeah, oh, yeah up and you think that you are free well living in this system i'm afraid that just can't be no they don't even look at you like you're a human being you're just a legal fiction man once spoke in their machine so educate the masses and we'll stand for what is right so we're creeping up on you in the middle of the night gather up our hopes and dreams we draw them Light it up tonight Cause we know that we're all alive Oh, yeah These generations Come marching upon your door Oh, yeah These generations Come marching upon your door Hey, hey Ready or not, we become you're listening to Think Again 3CR 855 AM on your dial, 3CR digital and streaming at 3cr.org.au. I'm Jennifer Burrell, your host today, and we have in the studio Mari Brennan and Lou Zippin, who are talking about a more meaningful role that our schools and universities could play in our communities and how this could be done and how they've demonstrated in their projects how it could be done. So before the break, we were talking more about universities. Uh, I now want to turn to look more at the schools in particular and how we do education then. Uh, in particular, I was inspired by um, a book chapter that you've both written. I'm not sure if the book's published yet. It is. Maybe you could, we can put that in our notes for the pro, on the program page. But the chapter's called Opening School Walls to Funds of Knowledge. Students Researching Problems That Matter in Australian Communities. So Lou, perhaps you could describe the education model in that chapter, particularly the educational focus on problems that matter and what you call funds of knowledge, where knowledge is drawn from a range of sources and collaborators. Mm, okay, well, problems that matter is a methodological approach, but to give you a quick definition of what we mean by it, it's 
Lauren Berlant talks about how people in their life worlds live um, crises as glitches in the infrastructures that sustain their lives. That are, you know, like, mm. you know, and, um, but they connect to larger global structural issues. Uh, glitches like, just to ground it for people who are getting a bit lost. You can't get enough food. Mm-hmm. You're not getting, the hospitals aren't, be, don't have room to attend to you. All these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, climate, you know, floods, things like that. These are things that are in your life, but they connect to much bigger and broader things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that have an urgency and and the, and the, the two need to be linked together you need to un, you know education needs to help people understand both the local you know people have local knowledge about those things because they're dealing with them over mm-hmm. time and they build knowledge around it and that's that's what's called their funds of knowledge mm-hmm. and uh the fu- and and they you know the the funds of knowledge approach doesn't just deal with knowledge in the life world; it connects it to the knowledge that comes from academia and the discipline, you know, areas mm-hmm. of school. Mm-hmm. So the funds of knowledge approach began in the um, in poor Mexican American areas of the U.S. Southwest in the early 1990s when Luis Mal, you know, his Hispanic American uh, educator at Tucson University in Arizona, um, and colleagues enlisted teachers to go with them into family and community spaces of the students in the teachers' schools and to research, you know, through dialogue and, you know, ethnographic observation, to research for what are the the funds of knowledge that they have built around life-sustaining issues and, and matters. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that they network in there and that they work with collectively, not just individually. So funds of knowledge. Yeah. yeah. It's, you know, under, understanding that they have assets for learning and mm-hmm. that these assets can apply in schooling. So it's not that they're stupi- stupid and need their brain filled up by the t- teacher, for example. Yeah. They, they, well, the teachers need to listen to them as much as vice versa. Mm-hmm. And especially from the marginalized communities where, you know, because the curriculum is too narrow, as, Mar, as Mari said about universities, it's also, you know, the curriculum is increasingly about economic, you know, neoliberal, mm-hmm. you know, uh, life chances and the good of the business businesses of the nation. And it's not enough about these emergent, you know, expanding, you know, like while while the curriculum is narrowing, the problems, you know, the urgencies are expanding. So there's a acute contradiction there that needs to be addressed. Mm-hmm. And as long as it's the curriculum is narrow, it's only going to select for the small numbers who are seen as the winners. They have what Bordeaux calls the cultural capital to do well in school that they inherit from their family. They don't gain it in yeah. school. But they... People and, from more well-off backgrounds, yeah. Yeah. And so the ears of the school and and this forces the teachers to close their ears to the funds of knowledge that those young people bring in what Pat Thompson calls virtual school bags from home into the school you know and could contribute they yeah. they know so much about races and you know I've worked in in these schools where these mm. Ethiopian you know re, you know refugees tell me so much about racism both where they came from mm-hmm. and in the life worlds that they live in now. Mm-hmm. And the school, it could connect to so many community, you know, you know, school subject areas, but the school doesn't have ears yeah. to hear it. Yeah. So so I guess it'd be good to have some examples um, of projects that you've done. So uh, either of you jump in, but can you give some grounded examples um, to demonstrating what you're talking about? Yeah. The gentrification one, I think, would yeah. be good. Yeah, mm-hmm. at, a, at a school in Footscray. Um, we had students in the class decide what 
issues mattered for their futures that they wanted to research. It was an experimental class in which they could um, you know, pick topics and research them with support from the academics and the, and the teacher in the room. Mm -hmm. And they, um, they chose topics, you know, like one group that I work with very closely chose race relations as the Footscray area gentrifies. Um, and suburbs don't gentrify equally. You know, some get pushed into them. You know, the more marginal people often get pushed into um, pockets, while while the more you know downtown and commercial areas and so on gentrify. And another group, you know, of Ethiopian uh, girls, researched um, what's going to happen to their families, um, small businesses, barber shops. Uh, restaurants, you know, bread shops and so on, when they no longer can afford to pay the rent and they have to go elsewhere where the commerce isn't really happening. And what, what are the effects on, the, on their futures and their family mm -hmm. lives? Another group, affordability of housing. Mm -hmm. um, another group in a, in a much more kind of like working, I would say underclass area where, you know, like on the outskirts of a, of a gentrifying area where um, there's more, there was more drug pushing and crime on the streets mm -hmm. and, and safety on the streets became their issue. And then there was another group, and these were the most successful kids in the, in the school in terms of, you know, this group had the students who were doing well in their classes, but they were, they had a working class identity and they were interesting, interested in the yuppification of Footscray, that, mm. you know, that, that was their term for it. And mm -hmm. there were movements about that that they mm -hmm. were part of. Yeah. So putting it together, all of those sub-themes connected to a generative theme of what what gentrification and urbanization are doing to the area so that makes for very strong problems that matter mm. problem that matters yeah. and they did very they 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 brought really interesting knowledges into it but it was in this experimental class it didn't affect the wider school mm. and that's and that's you know that's the problems that matter approach that we're thinking of now makes us you know looks for further innovations to you know methodologically to change that and the key thing is to get the teachers f not to be too cemented into the encapsulation as Louise Ma calls it of of the school's priorities so that they can see what the community's priority is yeah. no more about the students life worlds by going into those life worlds as mm -hmm. and and bringing that back into the classroom and bringing community people into the classroom mm -hmm. where they where they exchange that knowledge you know in again as as Stenger says through apprenticeship to the problem. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I guess at the moment, teachers, for example, in schools are very constrained by the curriculum that's coming from the principal, which is coming from the education department. And um, that's where, and it's that top-down managerial approach, I guess, which is part of what you're critiquing. Yeah, it's not the fault of individuals, it's the systematic disease. Mm -hmm. yeah. So um, there was another example working in Aboriginal communities. Do you want to talk a bit about that, Mari, or...? Um, I think it is a really interesting, an interesting um, issue about, because our colleague, um, Professor Tracy Bunder, who's a Waka Waka woman from Queensland, um, she talks about both universities and schools, and she's interested in, is the bridge between community and uh, university, and, and university or school, is that bridge shaky or is it solid? Oh. And does that mean for her? Does it mean? Does it mean? Um, how do you, how do you work together on priorities of the community? Mm. 
And are you going to be recognised and valued inside, Mm. in the school or in uh, the university? And so um, a number of projects that we've worked on have included very much uh, um, trying to bring Aboriginal knowledges into schools um, and trying to think through with community what they want to see in their schools, um, Mm. what kinds of projects which might be about um, being able to be bilingual, properly bilingual, Mm. Um, what what it might mean to have housing that is... um, suited to the environment and to the structure of the family life yeah. and the community life. Well, that all makes so much sense. So I guess, oh gosh, we're coming to the end of the program too fast again, as usual. Uh, so I guess briefly can maybe um, either or both of you, um, how can we get this approach off the ground more well, broadly? I think one of the issues is there is already room in the current curriculum if teachers are creative with it. And it would be particularly helpful if if teachers could do that into the, in, across disciplines, across subject areas. Um, it is tough to do that because you have to be innovative, but there are spaces in which we can do it. And because research has been introduced into um, the VCE, both the vocational major and the more academic stream, that means kids have to have experience of research come before that. And that this gives you a good excuse to do that. Mm. And, and, and demonstrate its success. And that's maybe right. publish and present right. it. Yes. And, and, in the, and another aspect of answering this very difficult question, because the inhibitors to the approach are so significant in schools, um, is you know we have to to get the teachers out of that encapsulation and what the school priorities are that as you said get you know mandated down from the policy and governance levels at the top is um to do things in pragmatic steps you know what what garth boomer the very famous um, australian educator called pragmatic radical Education oh, Lou, strategies. I think, we'll, I think we'll have to be putting a few of these references on our program page. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, which means doing. You know, pragmatism means doing at a philosophical level means doing what works in the cir- circumstances within the constraints that you're in. Yes. But but radical means never forgetting what is at the root or the heart of why you're doing that work. Mm. And so you make the steps that build the ground to expand beyond those limits over time. So one of the things that's that's terribly important is like like in that project I I described before we only worked with one teacher, and it was very hard to get the school wide more widely to hear it. If we had built professional community and if the students, for example, had come to staff meetings to explain what they were doing in that class, if um you know if uh, professional development built around that, if the university got involved in that professional development, mm-hmm. if pre-service and inter-service teachers got involved in the research, all of these things you know, would build the steps by which the school could then expand more largely. And if they got mm-hmm. the community involved to want, want to support it and had bigger forums to explain everything yeah. they were doing. I'm sure we'll have to talk more about this, but we are we are coming to a close. So I want to thank you both for coming on the program today, Mari Brennan and Lou Zippin, and showing us a brighter path that our educational institutions could take and, and a more meaningful in, and integrated role with communities. And 
Um, I'd like you to um, thank you for starting to talk about the possibilities that could be opened and you're actually opening these possibilities, I'm sure, by talking about it on radio today. So thanks for coming in. Thanks, Jim. Our pleasure. So thanks to our listeners for tuning in to Think Again live on 3CR Community Radio today from Wurundjeri Country. If you want to contact us or comment on our programs, please email Borderlands at Borderlands... Sorry, at... Sorry, I'll say the address again. Borders at borderlands.org.au. Our programs are available by podcast and on the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au. Meanwhile, please enjoy Milku Mana by King Stingray. listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.